And, uh, okay, yeah. and, we, and we are running two <laughs> minutes late, but we are live now on the DIY Audio Guy YouTube channel. This is uh, this is the very first sound advice of 20 and 21. And that's not true. Is, that's not true. This is take two. Take to be two, honest. With right. This is take two. Because, because I forgot to hit the go live button. Uh, there's been a, <laughs> there's been a major user error here. So, um, but it's all resolved now. So it's my first time ever streaming anything. So this is the first live stream ever on my channel, and it is the first you know Monday of 2021, and therefore it's uh, the very first sound advice of 2021. Guys, what are y'all doing? How are y'all doing tonight? Good, good. Yeah, doing good. Pumped, recharged from vacation, ready to rock and roll. All right. Yeah. And you've and doing you the show. You've doing the show from 2021. I see this going like this the rest of the year. Uh, well, at least every third show it's gonna it's gonna go like this. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna run 33%. So uh so it being the new year, you gotta ask, do you have any new year's resolutions? Rob, you wanna go first? So my New Year's resolution is from 10 years ago, and it was to have a resolution throughout the year and no New Year's resolution. So pretty simple. I just keep it throughout the year. I should add losing weight onto it at some point, but I'm too busy with all this YouTube stuff right now. Yeah. Yeah, and my New Year's resolution is always the same thing, too. My New Year's resolution is to not have a New Year's resolution. And so far... I have been very good, and I, I'm I'm batting a thousand on that. No year, New Year's resolution for me. So don't make me set one because that's not good. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to strike yeah. out. I don't typically set a New Year's resolution. I've always been of the opinion that um, the right time to make a change in your life is whenever you're ready for it. And waiting for January first to come around before you change something that you need to change is kind of a bad strategy. You're never going to get anywhere like that. So I don't, I don't endorse the concept of a new year's resolution. So that seems to be unanimous. <laughs> uh, if, if I were going to resolve something, I would resolve to, uh, to make some more base in 2021, which is, which is why we're talking about subwoofers. Uh, this is going to be a show on subwoofers and the enclosures that love them. So uh, we're just going to go around and we're just going to talk about subwoofers, talk about subwoofers we like, subwoofers we don't like, ones we've tried, ones we want to try, things we've built. And to kind of kick the show off, this is Rob's great idea. He's what he wanted to make sure we talked about. We're going to go around here and let everyone talk about each other's subwoofers. So, so Rob, what was the question, the way you worded it? What, what did I say? My favorite. You said, what was your favorite subwoofer from each person's build that they have currently already built? And we might even want to add what, yeah. what we're looking forward to building. Oh, although I better not say that. I think someone else said it might. <laughs> so my, my, I'll start with, since it's Justin's channel, let's start with uh, DIY Audio Guy. My favorite build that you done <laughs> is the $23 build. And that was what? Scrap wood. What, how yes. much How much was a subwoofer? 20 bucks? It was, it was, it was $23. But if you buy yeah. four, they're they're under $20 each. And was that the GRS or? Yeah, that's the GRS. Yeah, that is the GRS. Um, so so what, was, what inspired you to, to, to do that? So, you know, this hobby can be really expensive. And, um, and I wanted to show that you don't necessarily have to have a bunch of high-end equipment in order to enjoy the hobby. But at the same time, if you if you remember that video, uh, I pointed out that, well, you know, I, I used 800 bucks worth of tools to make that $23 subwoofer, right? And I did use scrap wood. I got lucky about, I don't know, um, I forget when exactly. It was winter of early winter of 2019. There was a cabinet shop that just had a bunch of material. They were all like, come and get it. And people just lined up with pickup trucks. And I had a bunch of really good quality, um, most of it birch veneered cabinet products and that got me through most of last year without having to buy a whole lot of uh, a lot of wood products but i couldn't use my garage for a year because it was all it was all full of uh, material full of <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and that's what she said something something <laughs> i liked about that uh that build was that you and you do this in a lot of your videos you show your mistakes and yeah. people you know a lot of times on youtube it's very easy to not show your mistakes it's just a snip here and a snip here and no one ever knows you messed up but that's not how it is in the real world. It, it's hard not to show my mistakes. I make too many of them. <laughs> but no, that's exactly right. I mean, that's that is how it is in the real world. If you think that you're going to build subwoofer enclosures and never make a mistake, 
especially when you're when you're early in the process. If you've never done it before, if you're a beginner, like we talked about last week, you're, you're going to mess it up. Um, and it was a that was a fun build. I really liked the way it looked. I ended up selling it. Uh, I sold it in an old amp that I had and I got a few bucks out of it. And uh, and so the, the maybe the only build on my channel that's ever paid for itself. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later. Uh, there's there's actually a backstory behind that driver. Uh, we'll get to it later tonight. Okay. Well, then let me jump into my favorite Toids DIY, and that's the Mini Earthquake, the passive radiator setup, the Tang Van, the whole eight by eight inch cube. What, what was the inspiration, man? I mean, first of all, I love that Tang Van woofer. It's just fantastic. It's that five and a quarter inch subwoofer. That thing is probably my favorite and best small subwoofer that I know of. It takes more power than it really says it can. It can get extremely loud and it goes low. I mean, very low in a, in a moderately sized box, which is fantastic. I mean, you're looking at 0.3, cubic foot box. I mean, it can do great things. But I thought to myself, hey, man, if we have this, why can't we make a passive radiator version? And if we're going to do that, why don't we make a very small passive radiator version and make it like, you know, as small as we can. And, and that's kind of where that came from. And so I used uh, two, two little passive radiators. It actually worked out perfectly. I didn't even have to add any weight to them and uh, tune that thing out. It came out to be an eight inch cube. You hold it right in the palm of your hand. It's tiny and it lets out a ton of bass. It's really good for like a, a small desktop system or something of that nature where maybe a little sound bar. It's not going to be room filling sound necessarily, but for what it is and what size it is, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think I'm going to do my own spin on that in the future. I've got ideas. I want to tweak it just a little bit with a little Hi-Fi Vega flare. And oh. I think I could do something with it pretty cool. And, and I'll let you name it but before I do it. How about Mini Earthquake 2? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why don't you Mega. call it your boy? Your yeah. boy. Your boy. Your boy quakes. It's your boy, the W6 enclosure. <laughs> uh, W5 is what we used. You used the W6. We used, I used the W5. Yes, yes. I've got one with the W6. Um, yeah, and that was really my favorite one on, on your channel is the W6 build because I just love those Tang Band woofers. And I think in general... You know, more people need to be aware of the W6 and W5 because those are really great little builds. And and just to clarify, because I know a lot of our audience is car audio, this is not a JLW whatever. This is uh, this is Tang Band. Uh, Tang Band. Where, where are they? Where are they? Where are they out of? It's it's uh, is it Indonesia or? Um, I believe it's China. Okay. Um, and they make, I mean, I, they make a lot of interesting drivers. Uh, not a lot of giant big subwoofers, but a lot of interesting drivers. So. Is it, uh, is it my turn to, what's your, what's my favorite of oh, yours? Yeah. Well, no, my favorite for uh, Hi-Fi Vega oh. real quick is uh, his, the cheap build. He, he bought a bunch of those Titan. They were $10 little subwoofers that he bought off of Parts Express and just saw how loud they'd get in an enclosure. And I thought that was pretty cool just to see, especially since he used all the different colors. And I think someone over here had already said, uh, Notorious RVH said, Vega Flare with splatter paint. And that was the box that he splatter painted everything. So it was a really cool build. Uh, and obviously people remember it. Yeah. I had all the colors. I, I wanted to do all the colors because, you know, I'm, it's cheap subs and I plan on blowing them up even though I didn't. And when I got the colors, I was like, you know what? I, I want to do something with this box because I know this is not going to do the the numbers I want because it was originally for the $150 SPL challenge. You need to buy a subwoofer and an amp and get the highest number you can. So I did get a $55 Polk PAD 2002D. It's like a 500 watt amp. Uh, bridged it down to the dirt on those, uh, those Titan tins. And uh, yeah, I splatter painted it. Every color that I got, I splatter painted it. And it was just a cheap, I even, I didn't even make the box original for that. That was for an 18. I just put a new, new face on it and a couple two by fours in it. Called it good. Nice. What, uh, what numbers did you do with that box? I didn't hear you say. I think the highest I got on that was like 137.8 in a Suburban on, I think it was roughly six, 700 Watts, something like that. 
that's that's really good for 150 bucks with some of those those cheap Titan drivers. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> they that's were junk. awesome. I, yeah. I had some. They're they're junk. I mean, <laughs> those are some that were actually maybe not even worth the price you paid. I tell you what, though. I, I ended up selling that box to somebody I know down in Texas and in his little extended cap truck, they sounded pretty dang good. I mean, they sounded way better than they did in the suburban. They just needed that smaller space to fill. I think. Nice. All right. Is it my turn now? I didn't want to jump yes. in too early. Yeah. I, I, um, you're, you're real up, quick. Sir. I'll, Want to give a shout out to the third era. The third era has hit us up with a uh, with a super chat. We sure appreciate that. I didn't even realize super chats were on, but I guess they are. And so we'll we'll definitely not going to say no to that. But um, but that's awesome. Thanks for being so generous and for supporting all this DIY audio content. Uh, and I, I tell you, when I think about the my favorite enclosures that y'all built, well, first of all, my channel's kind of new. I haven't haven't built that many. I wish I had built a lot more. So there's not that many for me to pick from. But y'all have done a ton of these things. And I think that some of my favorites. Uh, uh, so for Rob, I think I really enjoyed that transmission line that you built. And uh, and that one was pretty cool because you did a couple of videos on that one, didn't you? Um, did you recone those speakers? What were they? Those were actually. Pierce Audio. I don't know if you guys remember them, but they'd done a lot of OEM stuff, and they were the 500-watt platform. I had sold them a while back to somebody, and he, he just abused them to death. Mm. So I went ahead, and I, I put a new dust cap. I cleaned them all up, and then I built the transmission line, which I still have, but it needs tweaking. It needs a little... It, it plays a little too low. I mean, you can really bottom... You'll jump the gap quick on like 300 watts. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I, well, well ahead, I, was gonna, I was just going to say, and I think, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but that's the one thing with designing an enclosure sometimes is, is that cone excursion, that X max getting it, getting it just right. Yeah. And on a, on a quarter wave enclosure, it's so there. I've never built a quarter wave straight out of the box and had it just be perfect. I've always had to tweak something, add a little feel here, a little feel there. Absolutely. And um, and Nick, you've got several that I'm, um, that I'm a big fan of, and I think the one I liked the most was uh, was the Uglies, which technically wasn't a subwoofer. They were you know, like home theater towers, but it used a pair of eights, uh, the Tang Band W8, I'm assuming. Is that Tang Band's <laughs> biggest driver? Is that right? No, I mean, they, they have bigger drivers, but it's – that thing is amazing because that W8 is considered a mid-base driver, but that thing, uh, I had tuned it down to, I don't know, 35 hertz or somewhere around there in room. Uh, 35 hertz, I'm sorry, anechoic. In room, I was getting way down to 20 hertz, and those things will hit you with authority. I had a guy that uh, bought the plans and built them. Right now, uh, Parts Express isn't selling the Tang Band W8, so I'm not selling the plans right now, but um, he put them in. He ran his room calibration. They were the only speakers in his house. And he was like, holy cow. He said, I don't think I want to buy a, a, buy a subwoofer. It's, they're just, it's just an amazing, they're, they're a really fun build. I've played those for a lot of people. My sister even said, you don't need a subwoofer. You got the uglies. So, yeah, that's true. So when you, when you run the uglies, do you run a subwoofer with them or, or do you just run them by themselves? I mean, you can do don't, any. Don't let him talk. He definitely runs a subwoofer. <laughs> definitely. Well, can, I, I don't even know, but I know he definitely runs it. I, I, I actually right now I have them upstairs, and I'm not running a subwoofer with them. Although I'm building a subwoofer for them, so um, you would be correct. I, I typically do run a subwoofer with them, but you don't have to. I mean, that's the whole thing with the uglies is they can be a full range tower. And you can give it that bass and they will take it and they will take it for days. I mean, you can turn that bass up, crank it if you want to, and it'll be really good. So uh, what about, um, I mean, you mentioned, you know, jumping the gap with that transmission line. What about, what about that? How well does it do with the cone excursion? Does it, does it bottom out on the uglies? Oh, on the uglies. I thought you were yeah. talking about. Yes. Yeah, no, ugly. not at all. No, I mean, that's what I mean. Like it has bass for days. I mean, you can turn that thing up. I, I mean, I don't know where you'd have to get to before you'd end up bottoming them out. But I mean, I've run it with the ice power 200 
um, which which is technically only 100 watts because they're eight ohm speakers. Um, I mean, you're you're not you're not getting anywhere close to touching the limitations of those woofers, though. I mean, you can you can go pretty darn high before you ever touch the limitations of those. I can't right. remember offhand. I think it might be 250 watts to the woofers themselves. That's not the entire speaker before you're even coming into problematic zone. And I, I don't even know that it would be problematic. Then you, you get a lot of headroom in those. Keep in mind they're, they're made for home theater. So. Well, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, thank you to uh, Brian miles for the super chat as well. And uh, now what I want to do, if you just let me go ahead and kind of act like a host and ask questions, I want to go around Robin again. And the question I've got for you is uh, what, what subwoofer do you wish you could get your hands on to use in 2021? Ooh, uh, Nick, you want to go first? I think oh, Rob yeah, started yeah. first last time. Because so. I want to get Kraken on this question. Because that's the one I want, the Kraken, man. I mean, that thing is a 21. Yeah, da -da uh, it's a 21-inch uh, subwoofer. Love the thing. I mean, it just is pretty amazing. I, I can't remember the exact specs on that thing. I'm Actually, I'm going to look it up because um, – I did not realize he's going to ask us that, but the Kraken from Parts Express, brand new Dayton Audio. It's a 21-inch high excursion subwoofer. This thing is crazy, though. It's still 96 decibel, 95.6 decibels efficient. So you don't need like any wattage really to make this thing go to insane levels as is. And it has a power handling of 2,000 watts continuous and 4,000 watts max, and it's 4 ohms. It's FS is 26.3. So you can really get this thing to go low, go loud. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. If I had one to choose from, that would be it. Although the only problem is, of course, it's going to need a, a pretty big box. You know what, Willison? I, I agree. I, they, maybe I'll talk to them about sending me one and building something that will literally shake the house. And maybe the so, neighbors. And the neighbors live a mile away. Yeah, you just... Yeah, man, just just throw four thousand watts on it, Pete. See what it'll do. Send it right. So my I have uh, my answer is twofold. The first one is realistically one that I might play with this year is the Kicker L7X. I was pumped when I seen it. Everyone's pumped. I'm hoping to get my hands on one. It's they say it sounds good, so I trust Kip uh, wholeheartedly. He says it sounds good, so I'm gonna try it and see how good it sounds. Versus, you know, just being a full-on SPL sub. And then the other one is something I've never had. I want an OG stroker. I want one that's that's mint. And I want to be able to use it in in the Trooper as a full-time sub. That's that's sweet. I, I, that'd be a fun one to get to, to get my hands on. Uh, as far as far as me, what do I want to get my hands on? Um, that's a tough one because I want to I want to try all of them. Right. I don't know which one I don't want to try, but I, I'd like to try something, something large. Um, my problem with uh, with subwoofers is I don't have a good place to put one right now because I've got an extended cab truck. And so, you know, I want to find something that's going to do well in that extended cab truck. I want to try something like an underseat enclosure with some of those. Um, um, Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking. The guy down in New Orleans, Savard, right? I'd love to try some of those uh, Savard subwoofers and see what I can do with a small enclosure. I think that'd be a blast. Yeah. The only thing I have to add to any of that is, uh, you know, I'm not familiar with the OG Stroker, and it sounds like a terrible name for a movie. <laughs> you were just going to keep going with the dad jokes. I was I was like man that is, I, yeah that's my that's my whole thing I've already got but, a guy for bad dad jokes yeah you ever Are you watch, gonna share with you ever watch Big D any of his videos oh, yeah. it's hilarious that's, that's, my main, that's my main bad dad joke guy well did you hear there was one in the chat earlier by Eric Lindsay and he said I hope subwoofers bring sound advice to a new low. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. That's very that is funny. awesome. Oh, yeah. That's great. yeah, that's yeah. Bring bring more of those. That'll get uh, that'll get you a shout out for sure in the in the in the in the show. Um, I, I think uh, another one would be a good one. And someone mentioned this. I think El Fuego did in the chat. Hutchison Audio. That's the one that has those crazy neo magnets on the mm -hmm. back that look so damn sexy that I'd love to try. My my question on those, how do those sound? I've only seen them in SPL builds. That's mm. I I do want to get one for that reason. I want to see how they sound. 
they're beautiful. They're they're like jewelry, but I I, I it has to be candy to my ears, as linear power would say. You know, and that's a good point because like we talk about the Tang Band W five eleven thirty eight SMF, right? That's a fantastic subwoofer. It does a lot of things really, really well. What it doesn't do well is noise. It can be a noisy subwoofer, especially for its size if you give it a lot of power. You know, uh, the, I'm sure that I haven't, I, I have a W6. I don't really mess with it. I'm sure it's pretty much the same way though, because it's pretty much the same, same type of motor structure on there. And I think that's the case with subwoofers sometimes is either you're going for that really loud SPL where you might end up getting a, a noisier motor or you're going with, you know, more of a, a sound quality where you're getting less of that. All right, here's another one that, that might surprise you. Um, I'd like to get my hands on uh, some subwoofers from SVS. And they don't, to my knowledge, they don't sell raw drivers. They're a you know, home theater company. They sell home theater subwoofers. I've only seen pictures of them. I never heard one. Uh, they look absolutely stunning. And they are ridiculously expensive. Uh, we're talking about their their entry level is a is a it's a twelve sealed or a ten ported that's on three hundred watts and they're five hundred bucks. And their their nice high end one is twenty five hundred bucks. A giant driver, three giant ports. I'd love to get my hands on one of those because I'd love to compare a subwoofer like that to things that I can build, because I'm, I'm sure I can beat whatever it is you're going to build for five hundred bucks. I, I can beat that. I'm confident I can. For the same money, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, the SVS, they do a lot of things really well. I, I like SVS. I don't have anything bad to say. And honestly, they're they're one of the few companies that I think do really, really well with their stuff, especially their higher end models. Their higher end models actually have DSP built in, which extend the base a little bit more. So when you're talking about just raw performance, you know, they have a lot in there to to make that subwoofer really, really good. And and the amount of money that they put into their R and D and and stuff. I think that they're pretty good. Yeah. So you're saying I can't beat them. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't beat them. I'm just saying that they're a good value for what they are Yeah. for, for the price you pay. I don't think that they're overpriced necessarily. Uh, in my opinion, I don't, I mean, I think DIY, you can almost always do well, better with the performance, depending on what you want and the space requirements and things you want. But for what they do, I think they're worth the price. Yeah, sometimes it's hard finding because they have ants built to their specifications. Right. Yeah. That's that's I would say that would be your biggest challenge. Like the enclosure and finding a subwoofer, I think easy. Finding the right amp might be the tough part. Well, and and there's no way in hell I can make my subwoofer look as good as theirs. That I'm a yeah. long way from being able to make my stuff look that good. Um I can make it look better on, on, on film and on picture. Cause you can, you know, turn the ugly side against the wall or whatever the case may be, hide the mistakes, uh, paint over the mistakes and, and stuff, but, uh, they look fantastic. And, uh, that's for me always been the real challenge when I'm building a subwoofer. I feel pretty confident that I can put a sub in a box and it can make sound and I can be happy with the sound, but how's it going to look sitting in the living room? How's it going to look when you pop open the, you know, lift the back seats up or people are going to start drooling over what I've made. And that's the challenge right there is making it look good. Yeah. That's always the challenge. That That's like the final step in, in your learning curve in anybody's. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. Yeah. If you so, guys get there, let me know. I'm not there. <laughs> well, what, what have you tried that you think turned out great in the looks department? What have you made that you, that you're proud of the way it looked? So let me, my I'll children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to say my kids. I don't care. They're old now. They don't, need, <laughs> they don't need me to pat them on the back. Um, I will say that I like the way the quarter wave enclosure turned out. I done a flat finish on it. I done a two tone, like a carpet and then a stained portion. And I put a nice SMD terminal on it. And mm -hmm. that's probably one of my favorite that turned out. I kind of like the ISO, the look of the ISO, although I I'm going to change it. I'm, I'm going to put a different top on it. Uh, mine would be pretty much any of the Dynas. Uh, both of the Dynas, actually, all three of the Dynas that I built uh, have turned out really well, I think. Uh, of course, I had good material to work with. Uh, I think working with wood, personally, it's a lot easier than working with paint, for me at least. So um, for me, whenever I get a chance to work with nice hard wood, that usually ends up better for me. <laughs> um, that's uh, you guys, funny. You, you guys, funny. come on. 
Nah, I'm not gonna go there. All right. So, what about you, Justin? <laughs> you know, um, I think the one that I that I liked the best, as far as how it turned out, is one that I never I never filmed. I never I never made it to the YouTube channel. And this is the backstory behind the budget base box. I bought one of those GRS twelves because I thought I want to start building boxes. I want to start filming them. I want to try to put stuff on YouTube because it it looks like a blast. I want to give it a try. So I bought one of those and I put it in a band pass enclosure. It was um, two cubic feet per side. And I was just blown away at the output that I was able to get from that cheap subwoofer in that bandpass enclosure. And the bandpass enclosure was was huge. Um, it was it took multiple people to lift it, and uh, I tried lifting it by myself. And uh, and well, that went badly. Uh, I'm still recovering from the injury. Um, really ruined my back when I picked that sucker up. It was just you know a big giant chunk of MDF. But th this thing was just brutal loud. Uh, I, I've never, I don't know. I've never built anything that could get that loud with such low power. It could be that efficient. And that's the beauty of a bandpass enclosure. They might not sound particularly good, but if you're just trying to get loud and that, and that 12 inch GRS modeled great in a bandpass. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That GRS is, is a beast in a bandpass. I, I did that. I got it down to like 22 Hertz in a bandpass, but the box was like, I don't know four cubic feet or something. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. The All band, right. pass, it, it's always been, I, I've just, I've never been a band pass guy for the reasons you say it's such a limited window of, you know, frequency to actually make it sound good. So I'm, I'm either just a ported or a sealed guy myself, but if you want to get loud, of course, I got to say real quick, just get some gaming is right, guys. Stop. Don't mention three ways with where everyone's mind is at today. It's just not going to work <laughs> out. Well. Let's just stick with subwoofers today. I'm I'm proud of the uh, the three way in my truck. I mean, if I think it sounds wonderful, it's. <laughs> oh, my wife isn't watching this. She's going to come throw something at me. <laughs> my wife might, too. <laughs> Um, so, um, <laughs> so that was, uh, that was kind of a leading question because I wanted to ask you about band passing closures. So, um, uh, maybe about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I put a poll up on my channel. I've, I've never done a poll before, so I figured why not put a poll on the channel and, uh, and it was a simple question, you know, what's the best band pass box three to one, two to one, um, some other ratio or the ratio doesn't matter. And I'd love to know y'all's take on what is the proper way to design a bandpass enclosure. Go ahead, Nick. You're the expert. Model it. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know anything. I mean, I, I don't really know how else, how else to answer that. I mean, as long as you model it correctly and it, it ends up well, you know, I use WinISD, which is, which is a free program. You know, model it, check it with DATS to check your final tuning, make sure everything's right. I, I'm not really a bandpass guy. I'm either a base re reflex guy or, or more of a sealed or passive radiator guy. And those are the three that I typically go to. Of course, a band bandpass is, of course, you know, I don't know. I, that's that's me. I, what do you think, Hi-Fi Vega? I think the bandpass is, for me, a compromise. So I'm going to give up something to get loudness and efficiency that I could gain by doing something else. But if I'm going to do a band pass, I'll probably go with the simplest one and just do a regular fourth order band pass because that's what I've worked with before. There you go. I um, uh, was thinking about this a lot because I think I want to try to build a band pass again at some point. And when I sit there in WinISD and I model it, I can almost always model something that is just a simple vented enclosure that's just as loud. And would have just a better general bandwidth response, um, but when you start playing around with it, you can you can use that three to one ratio, and you get this massive peak at one frequency. And well, so yeah, that's where, we, wanna... that's where we do that whole one frequency, one note driver, right? The one note driver, right? And I don't, I mean, that's not going to sound good just riding around in your car. Uh, if I were, uh, if you, if we do another one of those hundred and fifty dollar challenges, if I can buy a cheap amp. I'm going to build a bandpass enclosure because that's, that's how you get the loudest. It, you know, it's not going to sound good. It's not going to do anything, but get loud, but you can make it sound halfway decent 
but the complexity, it's just, it's not worth it. No, definitely. Like you said, this is why everyone in SPL uses band pass enclosures uh, because they're incorporating their vehicle into the band pass enclosure and they're just trying to get the peak number and eh, it's good for that. So a, a relevant, a uh, couple of relevant things in the chat. Uh, the third era said that the ratio doesn't matter for sound quality. And I agree with that. You just, the ratio matters for getting loud. And uh, Wilson Audio Labs the, said, food for thought, are you inside the box in your car with a subwoofer? You are inside the box. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're a sixth order or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not sure what order I'm in, but, uh, but yeah, I think so. I think you're inside the box. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, next question for you guys. So, uh, so you don't like band passes. So this, this crowd's not a, not a big band pass crowd then. Um, what then would be your next favorite subwoofer enclosure type? What would you, would you rather go with a ported or a sealed? So for me, I'm going to choose ported in a specific type of ported alignment. I'm going to go ported, AKA passive radiator. Okay. So, because I mean, passive radiator is basically a ported alignment, whether people, uh, although I get so many people that say, isn't that just a sealed? No, it's, it's not sealed. I know that you don't see a port, but the passive radiators are the port. They're, the, they're what's tuning it. I love passive radiators. Passive radiators have a lot of big things going for them, right? Like, uh, you don't have to worry so much about port noise when you're building it, right? Because you don't have ports. You have the passive radiators. Uh, you don't have to worry about if you have a really long vent or, or port or tube, whatever you want to call it. You don't have to worry about incorporating that. But there's some negative drawbacks supported. I'm sorry, to passive radiator enclosures that we don't talk about a lot. So I want to mention those real quick. The two things that, that you need to keep in mind of passive radiators, if you're going to do it, they're not. They're going to tune higher than a ported box. Okay. Now it's not typically a lot, but they will tune higher. So same size box, same size is going to tune a little bit higher than that. Maybe two decibels, maybe five decibels. It'll all depend. Your F3 will be higher up in the spectrum. The other thing is it has a sharper slope, cutoff slope. Right. Right. So when we talk about that, that means you're not going to get as much gain in your car, in your house, whatever room gain, cabin gain, whatever you're going by. So passive radiators, I think are, kind of the best of both worlds as far as sound quality and extension goes, but there are those drawbacks as well. Well, the other big drawbacks of a, of a passive radiator is that uh, the passive radiators are, are just as expensive as a regular speaker with a magnet on it. Yeah. Passive um, radiators can add a pretty big cost to the system, which is true. Although, you know, I mean, I guess that depends on how much your port costs too, but yeah, it, it can add a significant amount. You scraps the wood if I'm building it. That's what a port cost you. Yeah, scraps of wood, right? Yeah. You, you're going <laughs> to buy a whole sheet of plywood or MDF anyways. May as well build a port out of it. You got plenty of material. Yep. Yeah, slot port. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Hi-Fi Vig? I, I don't even know what your favorite is. What is it? So my favorite would be just a regular ported box. I love ported boxes. You could do so much with them. And they're my favorite. Although I love sealed boxes too. You just... You can't, you know, I feel like I get a better compromise with the port because I can get the sound quality I want with the gain that I want. But an interesting one to me that I haven't built yet is an uh, aperiodic enclosure, mm. basically a poorly sealed <laughs> enclosure. Uh, I want to play with that. I th it sounds like a good idea. I, I, anyway. I think I've built a poorly sealed sealed enclosure once upon a time. So it may be. <laughs> and yeah, that's just it's more than just a poorly enclosure it's it's um or sealed it's it's a lot more complicated than that yeah it's got like a little hole on the back basically that allows air to go through there's a couple companies that that do that actually in their hi-fi speakers um do you have any in mind that you're thinking of no i don't have i don't have any builds in mind or people that build them but just in general because i'm kind of i do weird stuff like this i like the isobaric loading enclosures uh i like them all so i like to do different things and and that's what interests me the most about it you know when we talked earlier about subwoofers we like to get our hands on one of the things i'd love to get my hands on it would be some big image dynamics 15s and a lot of people in their sound quality car builds 
will put those in infinite baffle in their, uh, you, know, you know, from their trunk to their, to their car. And I'd love to try an infinite baffle out. And I'd love to get my hands on some of those big, those big ID max subwoofers. Um, now, the thing I worry about is the exact same thing, Rob, you said about your transmission line you built. It seems to me without an, an airspace, right? Cause that's that airspace is a spring, right? It's there to add extra suspension to your, to your subwoofer. Well, you're not going to have much of a spring. And there are some car audio builds that will vent their infinite baffles. The back is the outside of the vehicle. I've seen a couple of those floating around on the internet. And I think the last time we, we had a, um, our, our show, I mentioned that there are some people who are building big infinite baffles uh, into their home theaters where they're using the, the roof, the attic as, as the chamber and I'd love to try something like that, but I look at it and I think about all the problems, the power handling is going to be down. Um, I'm not sure how I would account for all of that. Yeah, there's all kinds of benefits and drawbacks to that, right? You know, the benefits, and you got to ask yourself, you know, I think that's with every enclosure that we're talking about, there's always benefits and drawbacks and what's most important to you when you build or design a subwoofer. And you're right, you're not going to get as good a power handling. You're typically looking for a subwoofer with a QTS above one. Typically, if you want to build one of those, not always. Dayton Ultimax can be used in one, and their QTS is very low. I think it's like 0.5 or somewhere in that range. So, you know, you either have to have a, a really strong motor or or something with a high QTS to be able to do that. The first Titan subwoofer I bought, those $10 ones we were talking about with Hi-Fi Vega, had a really high Q. I wanted to try it out. Infinite baffle. Man, that does terrible. I mean, it, it took like five watts and it was like, Bleh. Well, they, they only take about 20 watts in enclosures. So, yeah. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to mess around with something. I mean, it's 10 bucks. You know, you might as well just try it out and check it out. And I mean, it was, it was awful. So, so Nick, let me ask you a follow up question to that. You mentioned QTS. What's your favorite sub, sub enclosure? My favorite enclosure, um, I really think it's at the end of the day, it's just going to be a simple ported enclosure. Uh, and the thing I like about the ported enclosure is that you have the extra flexibility of tuning it to get the sound that you want. So you can tune that sucker really low and have a nice home theater subwoofer uh, for those low frequency effects. You can tune it a little bit higher like most car audio people do. And it's just, it's it's inexpensive. And I've got, I've got a little bit of a, of a, I don't know, a fetish for passive radiators. I've built a couple. That's what I've got in my truck right now. And that's what I'm eventually going to move to because I don't have enough airspace to properly build a ported enclosure. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of, I don't know, enthralled by that concept. But if I had, you know, an SUV, if I had a trunk, it would be ported. Um, and I would, I would tune it lower than most car audio people tune theirs. Cause I just think that it would sound better and be less, less boomy and reach down really low. I like the idea of just running a 20 Hertz test on through a subwoofer and watching it go just for the <laughs> hell of it. The port is, is just that you can change the port whenever you want. You can lengthen it, you can shorten it, you know, assuming that you can get to it at least uh, you can, you can mess with the tuning frequency. Um, so I was going to ask you, you mentioned QTS. That's one of our, one of our, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. One of our feel small parameters or feely small parameters. Um, what is it about the QTS that you're looking at when you're thinking about infinite baffle? What's that tell you? Um, well, it's the Q of the speaker. And basically whenever you, you look at the Q, there's a couple different ways that you, you can decide, uh, what type of enclosure you want for your particular speaker, whether it be a free air, infinite baffle, whether it be uh, sealed or, or whatnot. And I actually did a write-up on this, but basically what you want to do is look at the Q of the speaker. It is going to be one of the Teal Small parameters. Uh, the QTS is is the final Q of the particular subwoofer. you got a couple ways you can do this. You can do this with the, I'm sorry, I said EBS, the EBP calculator. Um, and that will, you'll take your FS, your QES, uh, and you'll divide them, the FS by QES, a number closer to 50 is going to be sealed. A number closer to 100 is going to be better than ported. If you take just your Q of your driver, which is the easier way to do it, take your QTS, anything really above point, I'm sorry, I should say anything below 0.4 is typically better for a ported enclosure. Anything from 0.4 to 0.7 is typically best for sealed and anything above 0.7 is free air, infinite baffle, but I like to say above one typically is, is the better way to do that. So you have a couple different ways to figure that out, but those are just good guidelines to go by. 
And uh, and I saw that you wanted to throw up some ISD up on the screen. You want to you want to do that now? You want to share the screen? Is that a good time to do that? We were talking about. Sorry. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, if you want to throw it up there, what I do on my end to put it up there? Just add to me. Yeah. Good to go. Um, we were talking. Oh, you know what? I shared the wrong screen. Let me. Uh, can you pull it off for you real quick so you can re- reshare it? I mean, I can use that screen, but that's not the screen I was trying to share. Um, let's go. Yeah, give it another try. Okay. There we go. All right, so here's the, the screen I wanted to share. So this is WinISD. This is the exact same subwoofer, the Dayton DCS-165-4. It's a six-and-a-half-inch subwoofer. And this just kind of shows you the difference between yeah, the three. anything on the screen here. Rob, do you see anything on the screen? It's all black. That's uh... Nope, it's blacked out. All right, well, then we will go back to sharing the first picture. This is just a picture right. of that screen, so it doesn't really matter. All right. Okay. So for whatever reason, it doesn't like that program. So here's the same driver. It's a DCS. It's a six-and-a-half-inch subwoofer by Dayton Audio. It's the exact same subwoofer in three different enclosures, the ported, the passive radiator, and the sealed. Uh, using for the port and the passive radiator using a similar size box. Actually, it's the exact same box. Uh, and the sealed is using, you know, whatever the best for the sealed is. But this kind of just shows you the basics of a subwoofer. You're, and sealed, you're not going to go as, as low in extension. As far as base extension, as we can tell, that's the blue line here. This is uh, your normal sealed box. Your F3 is closer to, I don't know, 70 hertz or so, almost 80 hertz, actually, 78. Uh, ported. You got the lowest one right here, which is, what is that, 38, 39 hertz, and then ported, which is, I'm sorry, and then passive radio, which is closer to 42 hertz. But the other thing to pay attention to that we were talking about earlier is see how much faster the passive radiator drops off compared to your ported system. So that's the drawback of the passive radiator is it drops off so fast, you're not going to get as much room gain like you're going to get with your sealed and your uh, your um, so, ported. So that's enclosure. the thing I think is really important that we need to we need to talk about. So um, I, I remember back in the day, people said this all the time. This was the 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 rule of thumb everyone used. Rob, you'll remember this as well. Was that a uh, a sealed had the effect of um, or a ported was effectively double the amount of power of a sealed. So if you it had the same effect as doubling the power when you added a port. And you would end up getting, you know, if you could hit 100 decibels and you could hit 103 if you ported the enclosure. But uh, that is not what you get when you model these in WinISD or when you measure them in the real world. What you actually get is an entirely different uh, profile, right? You, you get you can a different shape of the sound. Would you agree with that, Rob? Oh, yeah, for sure. And anybody that's been in WinISD, when Nick put up the graph, I instantly knew which was which. And if you played with WinISD, you know the response you're going to get from different types. And since he said, you know, the last two, I would have said, you know, those would both been some kind of ported enclosure. But he let us know it was a passive radiator, so I assumed it was tuned a little bit higher. But, yeah, the the WinISD thing, so it's it's great for me for, like, modeling what I want to do. So... I don't try to get it to peak at a certain frequency just because I know that every vehicle I have, I, I kind of know where the sweet spot is for SPL and I'm trying to make it, you know, the box play within a range instead of SPL, because you can really get caught up. If, if you model the high SPL box on WinISD, a lot of times that is not going to be the highest PL box in your enclosure or in your vehicle. Right, because the the space you're in has an impact on it, and that's true in a house or or the car, right? Because there are there are spots in your home if you turn on your home theater system and play some nice low bass, you can walk around the room and you can find dead spots. Um, uh, Nick, you know more about that. Tell me a little bit about in room response um, versus what you get in WinISD. You know, it, it's going to be dependent on the room. It depends on really anything. That's why a lot of people do sub crawl tests when they put their subwoofer in, which basically means you take your subwoofer, you stick it in your main listening position, right? So wherever you're going to mainly listen, and then you crawl around the room uh, listening to the different frequencies to see what's going on. Uh, the easier and better way to do that 
is to just buy the DSPLF from Parts Express. Uh, it's sixty dollars, I think, and as long as you have an iPhone, it will auto tune it for you, and it'll just get you a flat response, which is the better way to do it, I think, at least nowadays. As having said all that, you know, every room is going to be different. It's gonna it's gonna really depend. Like when I put those uglies in room, I was really excited to see that I was getting twenty hertz low tuning. And have you guys got a chance to use the cabin game uh, feature in there? I haven't. I haven't tried it yet. No, I haven't. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. There, are you thinking the same? Pro oh, I might not see. No, I might be thinking about the other program I was messing with. Yeah, because WinISD, I, I, as far as I know, doesn't have one. Maybe it does, and we're just not familiar. Wait, Roomy Key Wizard has one, right? Oh yeah, probably yeah. Okay, yeah. I think there, I there's think a couple. There's a couple programs that offer it. Yeah. So as we're talking about the difference in response from a sealed versus a ported, I got to ask about earlier, we mentioned another one of those steel small parameters, um, FS, that's the resonant frequency of the subwoofer in free air. How does that tie into what response you can actually get out of that subwoofer ported or sealed? What are you looking for and how does that impact the sound? Rob, what do you think? All right. So if I'm looking for FS in a subwoofer in a vehicle, I want it to be relatively low. It's got to be for me under 50 Hertz because I like to play my music somewhere between now FS doesn't mean that's the lowest you can play the subwoofer. That's important to get out. That's just the resonant frequency of the subwoofer. You can shape how a subwoofer sounds or what it'll play to by the enclosure you put it in. So that's yeah. the, that's the determining factor. Uh, but if you the lower, if you start lower, you can go lower. So that that's the one thing. That's kind of a, it's not a dead stop, but it's a limit to which way you can move, you know, play around yeah. with it on the bottom. I, end. I think there's a lot of confusion about FS as well because most people think FS means tuning frequency or where you can tune a subwoofer to. Keep in mind, some subwoofers will still tune higher than FS, and some tuners will still some will still tune lower than FS. So. You know, the best thing still is to model it, but definitely, like you said, it, it never hurts to look for a lower FS. So um, the other thing about that, there's two other Fs you have to know about. Uh, one of them is FB, right? And, and FB is the tuning frequency of the of the enclosure in a, in a ported enclosure. That's where the port is tuned to, right? FS is the free air resonance of the speaker. And then there's the other one, F3. That's where you're down three decibels from, from zero, right? Where you've got three decibels of cut, basically. And that that F3 is important because you need that number to understand where you're basically going to play out at. So if your F3 is 20 hertz, you might have a really good home theater subwoofer on your hands. Uh, if your F3 is 40 hertz, you just got a really bad subwoofer in general on your hands. Uh, I doubt that's going to sound good. Anyway, it'll be loud. Uh, it'll be loud, especially in a car. And of course, we most car subwoofers are tuned a lot higher than and than you would expect to find in a home theater setup. Yeah, it's F three is typically what we consider its useful range. Although, keep in mind that when we do F threes and programs like WinISD, that's anechoically. So that means if you take it out in the middle of a field and you're playing it and there's nothing else around you, that's its F three. That's why we keep talking about cabin gain and room gain is because it's F three. Realistically, in your house, might change quite significantly um, than that. But you still want to try to get it as close to the F3 as you want inside your room uh, or inside your car. Do, do you guys, uh, do you watch Youth Man's channel very much? Sometimes. Uh, I've heard the name before. Maybe so, I've heard him once or twice. I, I like, he's a nice guy. Or seems yeah. like a nice guy. I don't know. Uh, what, do you remember the subwoofers he's using? He done 115 decibels in room at 15 hertz. I think, or maybe it was 120, <laughs> but he has got some really cool subway. You should check that video out. If you watch nothing else on his channel, it's, it's very cool. I'd like to know what he used to do that with and how he set it up. Uh, that's yeah, that's pretty he, cool. He goes through the whole thing, shows you all. Actually, he done a tour at the factory where they build those subwoofers by hand. And uh, I, I think it was like JR or. Oh, okay. does he have JTRs? Yes, JTRs. Yeah. JTR is nice. JTR is all custom um, built. Like you, you order it and then they build it. So they don't, they don't have it ahead of time. 
they they use BMS drivers. I'm going a little off topic, but their speakers oh. are pretty neat. It looks like a two way speaker. It's actually a three way speaker. Uh, for their fronts, for example, they have two 15 or 18 inch high efficiency woofers in there, and then they have what looks like a big horn. That horn actually uses what we call a compression coaxial driver. And that compression coaxial driver is, is like a normal compression driver that you would see on a PA speaker, but it has both the mid-range and the tweeter compression driver built into one. So it has two binding posts on the back, which allows it to use that same horn. And because of that, you can cross those typically over anywhere between 300 to 500 hertz. Now, of course, you still have to cross over the tweeter as well, but um, really, they're really unique speakers. Very interesting. I, I actually have been wanting to build a clone of those, but uh, it's really hard to get your hands on the BMS drivers in general. Uh, and yeah. when you do, I think even dealer costs are like six, seven hundred bucks. So it's, I got a suggestion not... for you. Ch check out Digital Designs. They make a lot of stuff with compression drivers built in mid ranges. Well, this is this is not a mid range compression driver. So. No, it's I a mid-range a, with a compression driver tweeter. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is this looks like just a compression tweeter, but it, they're all coming out the same thing because yeah. they're completely time-aligned. Is that what you're talking about, or is it a mid-range Well, it, well it, it'd be and, different because it's a mid-range speaker that you can screw a compression driver into. Yeah, the advantage of doing what what they do, BMS, and there's actually another company that's doing it now too, which we're getting a little tough. I'm going to just stop after this, is that they can completely time-align those so they're completely time aligned right there. Supposedly, like I said, I've never tested them, but supposedly completely time aligned. Yeah, and in car audio, you use the horn the same way. Back in the 90s, we used horns under the dash. So you didn't have to image. I mean, you didn't have to worry about imaging. It was there. It was pretty close. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, as we're, as we're kind of coming up close to the end of the hour, um, I feel like we've kind of hit everything. We've talked about band pass. We've talked about transmission lines. Um, we've talked about pretty much every configuration so far in pros and the cons. So um, is there anything that y'all have in the works that you're building that, uh, that you want to kind of give us a bit of a preview on, or is it, or you want to keep these things secret? I know, I know y'all have got some stuff coming up. You got anything, Nick? I, I've got, I always have, I'm always working on three or four projects. So uh, I finished the JBL build that video. I hopefully will have out uh, soon. That's the SRX 815. Hopefully that, that should be out this week unless I run into issues with that. Um, I have the speakers that uh, Hi-Fi Vega gave me. They're car audio speakers. I showed you guys those last week. I'm going to test those. I want to test those relatively soon in the next couple weeks, hopefully. I, I kind of want to test them before Hi-Fi Vega does his next stream, so maybe we can even mention them on there. But uh, I'm curious if they're even two ohm speakers, I don't think they're even two ohm, but yeah. um, I kind of get an idea of what, what exactly those are, especially since I know car audio is, is sometimes inflates their numbers. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes almost sometimes. all the time. Almost all the time. <laughs> so I, I want to do some tests on those and see, you know, what exactly do we have on our hands here? And then I'm going to turn those into bookshelf speakers and I'm going to give them back to hi-fi Vega so he can have them uh, yeah. with, custom crossovers built in so that, that way and i have to listen to the sony's you can uh listen to these and i'll listen to the sony's to judge them there you go <laughs> and then we have we have you know i i already told you we have the we have that other subwoofer build that the hundred dollar subwoofer build and then i have uh i have another one i just started today which is a five and a quarter inch subwoofer build using the tang band using a different passive radiator so I, uh, but just based on conversations we've had uh, offline here, I, I have a suspicion. I know what your sub $100 sub is going to be. I, th I think I know what you're going to, going to make. And I'm not going to say anything because I, yeah. I, I kind of want to be surprised. Yeah. But you know, one thing that I realized that we never talked about, we never talked about isobaric subwoofers. Yeah, man. Love never did. I know. That, I, I, isobaric is a great way to do it. I just, we just never got a chance to talk about it, which is too bad. Yeah, back in the day, they were uh, uh, a lot of people made isobaric subwoofers. The downside from that's the same downside that you get when you uh, when you go with a passive radiator. You got to buy two subwoofers. Um, <laughs> you don't that, get extra that, cone that, area. 
that's that's the thing that, that people don't get. Like, well, why would you do isobaric? Well, I'm trying to do something different than you. And they asked me, well, if I do the ISO, I want it to be as loud as two. It's not going to be as loud as two. You no, you no. gain a few things going ISO. You gain cone control a lot of times. You double the motor force. You can usually play a little lower. You can also use a much, much smaller enclosure if you want to. Or yeah. you can use the same enclosure and get a lot bigger response out of out of those drivers. But it's never going to be as loud as two of the same drivers in their optimal enclosures. Yeah, and, and my whole thing with the isobaric typically is is size. You get that much smaller box, and that is huge, especially when you're talking about you know putting it in your room or something. The the other issue with isobaric though that I think we didn't talk about is typically it's just ugly. I mean, they they can be really ugly <laughs> unless you do you know. There's different types of isobarics you can do unless you do you the know piggyback. Yeah, piggyback, which is harder to implement correctly, but right. Uh, too much air to compress there. Yeah, that that's so, one I've always wanted to try. To that's hard to get right. Blues put some out uh, from a factory that were very cool back in the day. Blues Audio were actually part of Stillwater Designs way back when, and uh, they done one. But clamshell is usually where where I rock. But then you got to have a nice looking speaker. It has, it has to look nice on the back end. Otherwise, it's not going to look great, especially yeah. in your house. So um, I, I know we talked about this before the stream, but I think we got—I don't think we got to it on the stream. I want to make sure we mention this. You talk about two drivers. Um, what do you do when you put two subwoofers in the same airspace? Uh, do you need double the? Did we talk about this yet? Do you need double the airspace for those two subwoofers, or can you put them in the same airspace? And I have an answer. I think I, I, I believe I know the answer to that question. I'm asking so we can discuss it. No, I mean, you don't ever need to do anything necessarily. I mean, typically it is going to be double the airspace, but it all depends on your arrangement. What are you doing with it? What do you want to get with that second woofer? What do you, you know, what are you trying to do? Like we just mentioned isobaric, you use two of them. You know, you can have the airspace. So the airspace is actually significantly less. You know, if you're going two in the same sealed, it's most likely going to be double the airspace. Uh, once again, that all depends on what, what you're trying to go for. What do you think, Hi-Fi? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can trick subwoofers, and that's what we're doing when we're building enclosures. We're tricking the subwoofer. We're giving it an environment. So you can trick subwoofers with polyfill, like Toy done in his video and showed you exactly how that works. Or you can trick it by making too small of an enclosure and getting more power handling. In this way, you can trick it by having less airspace, but it seems like a little more, and it's kind of a polyfill effect. I think so. It's 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 neither or, you know, you, you are gaining some, but you're also not losing. It's it's just it could go either way. So yeah. so definitely don't take a, a two cubic foot enclosure that was designed for one subwoofer and cram two in there, like every other post on Facebook Marketplace in my area seems to do with their subwoofers. Uh, <laughs> and there's no need to to double the airspace if you're going to build a box for for two subwoofers then. I mean, it depends. I mean, if you want the same exact response, then, you know, you're probably going to want to double it. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what I thought. That's, that's my yeah. take on it. If, if, uh, if one subwoofer in a two cubic foot box, if you want to go to two subs, you need a four cubic foot box. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, if you want, yeah. if you want the best performance, yes, you always, but you can put it in there. It's just not going to be as good as having a four cubic foot box for the two of well, them. And I think that's kind of the cool thing with subwoofers. They're so easy and cheap to like mess around with. You can see what the differences are when you do these things. So I would always tell someone, model it and win ISD first, then listen to it yourself and see what you like and don't like, because you're going to start seeing things that maybe other people like that you're just not a fan of. Uh, when I build and design speakers, there's some people that like Paul Carmody, for example, a lot of Paul Carmody speakers have a nice big bass hump at the end. Or a lot of audiophiles say, no, I don't want that bass hump. I want a Chevy Chev, which is a real flat linear response. Well, that all depends on the individual person and what you're going after. Yeah, and I tell them just make a baffle and put that subwoofer on the other side of it and wire that one out of phase and boom, your ISO. You don't ISO need to. Yeah. Your ISO cool. <laughs> Rob, what about you? What have you got coming up on your channel? Uh, 
So I'm still working on the trooper. It's it's almost complete. I need to build some few things, and I don't want to let the cat out the bag on that. But tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about one ot wire OSC wire. I got a video coming out. It'll drop tomorrow morning sometime. So keep your eye out if you want to see what's the best one ot money can buy right now, or you should buy. Nice. Well, all right then. I tell you what I've done. Uh, for, for the first time ever, I managed to get a video completed and uploaded and scheduled, so it's sitting on YouTube ready to drop an entire week in advance. So uh, this <laughs> last weekend, I got two videos up, and one of them is scheduled out in advance. Uh, so I, I've got a video coming out. It's another one of my uh, port tuning videos. I uh, I feel like I I do this stuff a lot, so I start I've started building uh, calculators and spreadsheets. Um, cause I like using spreadsheets. I'm weird like that. And I've even actually put those spreadsheets up on my, uh, on my Patreon page. I just put together a Patreon page. And so if someone wants to support me on Patreon, like a couple of guys in the chat have mentioned that they have, uh, you can have access to any of those things, you know, kind of, as I build them, I upload them and they're not always perfect and finished, but they're there in case somebody wants to use one, wants to see one and kind of see how I, you know, put things together behind the scenes. I like the idea of being able to plug three numbers into a spreadsheet and get the answer that I want, because I'm going to come back in and plug three different numbers in about five minutes and get a different answer. So that's just kind of how I think about problems. Excellent. Definitely. All right. Well, I think it's that time, right? It is that yeah. time, and I think we pretty much cut uh, cut through all the all the nonsense on subwoofers. Talk about everything we wanted to. Uh, does anybody have anything last to add before we uh, before we sign off? No, uh, we'll cover this again. I'm sure. All right. Well, since it's my channel, I'm going to do my signature sign off. What's what's that, Nick? I missed that. There's a couple things I could take away, but <laughs> you said add, uh, subtract some things. Subtract, add. Gotcha. Um, it's my channel, so I'm gonna do my signature sign off. That's that we should probably do this. Let's each do our own sign off on the show. I'm the DIY audio guy, and I'll see you on the next adventure. <laughs>